0: We've arrived at the final Sunday before the great feast of Christmas, and the church has us turn our eyes, our gaze, our focus to Mary, the great symbol of Advent, the one who waited and pondered in her heart all the things that God had given to her so as to bring Christ into this world. And I've been here at St. Joe's for about six months, and I realized as I was praying over these readings that I have yet to preach on Our Lady. Something tells me St. Joseph would be upset about that himself. And yet, she is the love of my life. She is the most honored of our race. And why? Why is she the most honored? Because of her faith and because of her love. Never before has the world seen faith or love like the Blessed Virgin Mary's, and never again will it see faith or love as hers. What made her so amazing was her immense fidelity to God. No matter what situation she was in, no matter what she was dealing with, no matter how bad it was, she remained faithful. I think we have maybe this image of Mary's life as this beautiful, holy, pious, you know, peaceful sort of life where she has her veil on and she walks around prayerfully all the time. Her life was a nightmare. Full of danger and darkness. She was pregnant from the beginning out of wedlock which meant certain death by Jewish law. She didn't know if Joseph would stand by her or not. But yet she responds to God, be it done to me according to your word. Why? Because she hears the final words of the angel. And the final words of the angel before it says, and then the angel departed, was this. Does anybody know it? Just scratching your head. Okay. (laughs) The final, you guys got to read your Bibles. Read the Christmas story. We're right around Christmas. It's only a couple chapters in Luke or a chapter in in Matthew. The final words of the angel is, For behold, all things are possible for God. And Mary believed that. You know, I sit back and I say, Do you believe all things are possible for God? Yeah. Prove it to me. How much control do you take in your life? How much are you always trying to manipulate the situation to make it go the way you want? Mary never did that. She never did that. At the time she was going to give birth, they aren't even at home. They're in a barn. You know, the funny part is, I don't know if you guys ever pray with this stuff, but... I prayed from the side of Joseph, right? Because Mary's immaculately conceived. She can't do anything wrong. Jesus is God. He can't do anything wrong. So poor Joseph, right? I mean, he's always kind of the, he's like the drummer in the band. Nobody really knows who he is, but he's always kind of like holding it all together. And I got to think, you know, they're going around, he's knocking on doors and Mary, you know, she's like, "Uh, this is God's child. And he's like, okay. And he, he, he. He gives himself to that and then they're walking around it's like you know hey you got any room in the inn nope sorry I mean Joseph I'm Joseph I'm like really help me out here it's your kid (laughs) I'm just trying to provide right and then I mean it's I mean it's it's terrible but it's also kind of funny I mean the poor guy You know, the angel spoke directly to Mary, but how does does Joseph receive all of his messages? In dreams. Listen, I've had a lot of weird dreams. And if I did some of the stuff in those dreams, I don't know where I'd be right now. But Joseph responds. He too has this abandonment to God's providence. What happens next? They, set, they, they present him in the, in, the, in the temple, this beautiful day. And what does Simeon come and say to Mary? Behold, he will be great, but a sword of sorrow is going to pierce your heart. Great. More good news about the Son of God. Then Herod tries to kill him. Then Joseph has some random dream and says we're supposed to go to Egypt. They get to Egypt, about five years pass. Joseph has his practice set up as a carpenter, and lo and behold, another dream. The poor guy must have just been afraid to go to sleep. <laughs> you know, I mean, again, I put myself in Joseph's shoes. Goes to bed, all of a sudden has a dream get up, go back. I'd be mean, like, come on, you're killing me here. But he does, but she does. Then after one year, they lose the young child Jesus in Jerusalem. Imagine that. You have one job, protect the son of God, and you lost him. Then he sets up for his public ministry and leaves her to fend for herself as a widow. Then he's arrested and tortured. Then she sees her son disfigured, pinned to a cross, bleeding and suffocating to death, only to hold his lifeless body in her hands. And this is the woman who all generations have called blessed. How about that? And yet, through all of her life, her heart continues to say those words she initially spoke to the angel Be it done unto me according to your word. This is what makes Mary so necessary, so beautiful the woman of all women, because she never quit. As she stood at the foot of the cross looking up at her dead son, every promise broken, seemingly, she remains and refuses to give up. She looks at the worst possible situation and says, I believe. Whatever situations you have in your life, entrust them to her. She is necessary. It drives me nuts. And I love our Protestant brothers and sisters, I really do. But when they come down on Mary, You know, if I was, if I'm your friend, and we're best friends, and I'm like, hey, I want to introduce you to my mom. And you're like, I want nothing to do with your mother. That would hurt me deeply. How can we want everything to do with him and nothing to do with her? My friends, she is one of the greatest gifts ever given to us. Go to her. Run to her. Entrust whatever you have to her. And she will not fail. When I was in seminary, I had the opportunity to go to Ephesus Ephesus is in Asia. It's uh, one of the most well-preserved ancient cities in the world. When you walk through it, it's like a ghost town of the ancient world. And up on a hill is a little stone house. And that stone house is called Mary's house. Because remember, when Jesus died on the cross... The last thing he did was look to John and said, behold your mother. And it said that John took Mary into his home from that moment onward. And tradition holds that John went to Ephesus and lived there with the Blessed Virgin Mary. In this little house, there is a spring, as in many Marian shrines, that swells up from the ground, underneath the house. And it has miraculous healing powers. When we were there, we ran into this really old Franciscan. And when I mean old, I mean old. Like ancient old. Like this guy, and he was the real deal Franciscan. Like he had patches all over his habit that he had sewn on. Big beard, smelled funny. And I remember talking to him, and I said, Father, you must have seen a lot of miracles because you've obviously been here a long time. And he said, yes, I've seen many. And we seminarians, we said, what's the greatest miracle that you've ever seen in your life? And he said, come and I'll show you. And he took us back behind the shrine, out in this little area, and there was a shed. And he opened up the shed, and inside the shed were wheelchairs and braces and crutches and we were sitting there and we're like oh my gosh like are these all the miracles and he said yeah when people are healed they leave their things here and we said well what's the greatest one he said the greatest one is that wheelchair right there and we're like well tell us the story what made it so great he said that man 20 years ago was hit by a drunk driver. He was paralyzed from the neck down and his wife and three children were killed upon impact. And we're like, what happened? And he said, he came here to visit the shrine. And like, did he, was he healed? And he said, yeah. He went to confession. He received the anointing of the sick. He drank from the water and he stood up. And we're like, that's the greatest miracle ever. And he looked at this and he said something I'll never forget. He said, Boys, that's not the miracle. I'm like, what are you talking about? The guy was paralyzed from the neck down for 20 years and now he walks. How is that not the miracle? He said, That's the physical miracle. But the real miracle is this that after 20 years of unjust suffering, And having his wife and three children taken from him, unjustly, that that man never lost his faith and love in the church and in Jesus. My friends, that is what we call the miracle of faith. And the first one who received it was Mary. And she wishes to give it to every single one of us if we go to her, if we love her. Just like Mary, you will stand at the foot of many crosses and I pray that you never lose your faith in those times. And you won't if you stay close to your mother who wishes to stay close to you, especially in the darkest of moments. The one thing that Mary did is the one thing that we all must do, namely to bear God into the world. Our joy is that Mary did this as a human. She did it as one of us. And she did it through the ordinary daily life that every one of us live. She taught us it's possible. She taught us it's worth it. She is truly our life, our sweetness and our hope Mary mother of god pray for us